Welcome to the first episode of the Infertility Feelings Podcast. I am Jesse Brown. I sitting am here with Doug Brown. Doug Brown and we have uh, our distinguished first episode guest, guest Dr. Andrea Ganahl. Say hi. Hello. Hello. We are so excited that you are here. I'm so excited to be here. Yes. This is going to be so fun talking about our feelings. As we kick off our first episode, we're going to get straight into the topic of the podcast and the topic of the episode for today is what does it feel like to go through infertility? How about we each give one word? If you could narrow it down, <laughs> pretty much impossible, but I'm going to say five words. Could you narrow it down to one <laughs> word? What does it feel like to go through infertility? For me, it was complete fear because I had a lack of control. That's what I would say. It felt like that went really deep, really fast, but that that's good. what it felt like. <laughs> that's good. I would say for me, it felt, um, uh, I would say overwhelming, you know, mm. just, just too much, it was far too much, far too quickly to deal with. Mm -hmm. That's what I would say. I sure. would say for me, it was shame. I felt a lot of shame. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I'm Sadness so, too. Sadness yeah. was another. How many one. years did you struggle with infertility? Five. Five years. And um, was the, was the five years in intense the whole time or was there no, times that you took it breaks? It was intense four of the five. Four of the five. So the first time, first year, the first year was just trying and trying and, and then we started getting help. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. As we go forward, Dr. Andrea Ganahl, can we call you Dr. Annie? Call me Annie. Can we call you? Okay. Yes, Annie. Annie is here to help us and help any, anyone listening to kind of help us process the feelings that we have. As we talk to guests, we'll kind of hear from them. What does it feel like to go through the experiences that they're going through? And Annie is here to help us understand the feelings that we have, the fear that we have, the overwhelming feelings, the shame, all of that. Annie, if you could, just for us now, help us understand because Jesse and I know we've gone through infertility. We, we know the emotions that we've had in and of ourselves. And would you say that infertility is anxiety provoking, Jesse? Yes. Fear provoking? Yes. Uh, d depressing at times? Yes. Okay, so up. here's our question to you, Annie. Do we have depression? Do we have anxiety? How do we classify that? Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. I, think I, I think I understand what you're asking. Um, it's all the feelings that we've talked about, and there's so many more, mm -hmm. um, are normal reaction to trauma, normal reaction to a challenging situation. And so it would be normal for you to feel overwhelmed, to feel sadness and fear, and for me, shame, um, because we're dealing with something that's really difficult. Right. There's a continuum of all those feelings. And so if, we, if those, those feelings kind of grow and grow and grow, and we don't get the help we need, or we don't um, get the self-care that we need and, and um, the community that we need, it can then kind of cross over to where it's, a disorder, you know, a major depression disorder or an anxiety disorder. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's what I love about what you guys do is that your hope is to help people with their emotional response to infertility to, so that they don't get to that point. Mm -hmm. And so, and I think with infertility, we become so hyper-focused on what's right in front of us, like dealing with the shots or dealing with trying or listening to our bodies and all that. And we have feelings be secondary mm -hmm. almost in the background. What would you say is the most, like I know we said anxiety and depression and that, but what would you say would be other feelings that would come up? You would think. Um, good question. I would say 
the oh, being overwhelmed, being yeah. totally stressed. Not that that's necessarily a feeling, but, s- yeah. but it's just still a response. Um, feeling alone. Mm-hmm. Um, very isolating. Um, and, and again, I, the mind with the shame. I think mm-hmm. a lot of people feel that something's wrong with them. Mm-hmm. And, and, and sometimes people who are around us who love us say things that can make us, you know, feel inadequate. Um, and so I think feeling inadequate is a very common res- response to going through infertility. Um, right. And I, I don't know if there really is a wrong feeling. Right. right. You know, everyone's so different. Right. And so I think we all have to just give grace. Can you <laughs> no say more about the feeling of being inadequate? Because I think a lot of feelings come out of that moment where you feel like it didn't work or like mm-hmm. it, it fell apart or, or something's wrong with me. Yeah. Something's mm-hmm. wrong with me. You know, I even remember myself going to the first, you know, you go to a doctor's appointment and you get bad results, right? That's for so many people, the first time they realize that something's wrong. And I remember we had that, we, it's a long story. We had this false test that came back for me that said that I was just had absolutely zero sperm count and zero ability to get pregnant, you know, reproduce at all. I was essentially sterile. That test was actually wrong, but emotionally it was the first moment that I realized, oh my gosh, everything that I thought is broken and wrong. And I think that's where that, that feeling of inadequacy, fear, it all kind of came from that moment where things kind of broke and fell apart Mm -hmm. from a therapeutic standpoint or like a psychological standpoint, how much, how much happens in that moment as compared to, you know, dealing with the struggle for years and years and years. Like, you know, do we need to, does that make sense? So let me make sure I understand your question. You're, are you asking, so you find, you get the test and it's that immediate response versus Going through infertility for two years, four years, right. 10 years, and then the response of that. Right, yeah. Are those responses different? Are they all the same thing? That's a great question. I would say that they are different and the same. Mm-hmm. They're different in the sense that, um, you know, I've talked about trauma and how the, the initial response to a traumatic situation is usually oftentimes very intense. And yeah. if you, so it's, it, it feels huge. Right, mm-hmm. you giving right, that right. test result felt huge, right? Yeah. Life changing. Yes. And then, if you're five years down the road and you're still dealing with infertility, it may not be this um, catastrophic reaction. Rather, it's kind of this almost chronic, dull feeling mm-hmm. of depression. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. This mm-hmm. chronic feeling of I always feel fearful. Mm-hmm. I always. I, it's hard for me to get out of bed every day. So I think in that way, it's different. It's the same in the sense that there's still a lot of emotion, but the level of it in, is a little different. It's kind of, you know, acute versus chronic. Right. Why does do that th- answer the question? It, it totally does. Yeah, I just think, I, I, like emotionally, I feel like I trace a lot of the emotions that I felt back to that initial moment. Like that's when it started and then it never stopped. Mm-hmm. You know, like my, my like uh, fear that, I wasn't going to be able to have the family that I wanted started there and it felt like it never stopped. So it's like, I'm almost, I feel like I'm still processing right. some of those initial you know, and moments. What you know? I thought of when you told that story was first thing I thought of was that that's such a trigger. Right. Mm-hmm. And you know, we've talked about trauma, how a trigger can, can stimulate the traumas even in our childhood. Mm-hmm. And so many of us in our childhood felt inadequate. Totally. Right. right. Whether it be our, from our parents or from our teacher or from our, you know, other students bullying or whatever it might be. 
so when something happens with infertility, you, you know, you get a, a test that's really yeah. makes you feel inadequate or, or not complete, mm -hmm. that you're dealing with that, but you're also dealing with the, your previous trauma. And so I think for you, that initial kind of intense moment um, was, is kind of being triggered as you process and go along the, the road of all the other things that are going on right. with fertility. Right. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of women tell me, I just can't go there. I can't feel that feeling. Why are feelings so hard to feel? <laughs> you know what? If you think about emotional pain, mm -hmm. it's not fun. No. Nope. It's not something I want to <laughs> so do. Are you going to go in intentionally cut yourself right. to, uh, you know, maybe you have this horrible blister and you need to cut it in order to release the pressure. Right. Mm -hmm. You're not going to want to do that. Right. You're no. going to avoid doing that. If I, oh, let's just see if, you know, it goes down. Or, <laughs> so you're mm -hmm. going to do all you can to avoid doing that because it's going to be painful. I think it's true with emotion as well. We're not going to in, typically intentionally hurt ourselves mm -hmm. emotionally because it's so painful. Mm -hmm. So our natural response is to run or to avoid, right. which is really where we develop a lot of disorders, right? Right. Anxiety disorder, PTSD, a lot of these things are connected to avoidance. Mm -hmm. But if we don't avoid, we're going to get healthier much faster. So I think our natural response is to avoid. Our natural response is to avoid feeling that pain. Mm -hmm. Now, as we become more psychologically, psychologically minded and more insightful people, then we, we know so well that that's important. And so we start to move mm -hmm. towards those emotions. And the more we can do that, the healthier we'll be. It's really, really important, but I think mm -hmm. naturally we don't, and are oftentimes, depending on our parents, we don't. We're not taught that. We're not taught that in school. We're not taught that by by parents to move towards the emotion rather than away from it. Right. Mm -hmm. that, this is so mm -hmm. interesting because I, I sometimes think that you know emotions, the range of the range of emotions that we have are sometimes good. Like uh, to me, fear. Like fear is sometimes good because if you're near something that is fearful, maybe that's the right response to have. I'm wondering the is like is there ever a world where like anxiety and um, stress is like is the right emotion to have? Like maybe initially it was rightfully so that I felt depressed mm -hmm. and overwhelmed. But if I never left that that mm -hmm. those emotions like, and they became like chronic, like you said, that's where you have this issue. I'm just trying to help myself and anyone else who's going through infertility to, to feel, you know, it's okay to feel the emotions that they're feeling because they're natural. Is it, is it ever Absolutely. okay to say natural? Yeah, they're definitely natural. I think God created us to be emotional beings. And so we are, it is normal to feel sad when something happens that's sad. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. um, fear, I, I mean, I would um, address that because it's a little bit different, I think. Okay. <laughs> um, it's normal to feel angry when someone slaps you in the face. Yeah, right? yeah. I'd right. be angry. Right. Yeah. So or, or overwhelmed. Like, I think uh, that one too. Like Yeah. The reality yeah. is life is overwhelming right now. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's normal. It would be abnormal not to feel something. Right. Yeah. Um, and so all of that's healthy and yeah. good. Okay. Um, and it allows us then hopefully to process what's happening. If we, we'd be robots, right? If we didn't feel right. when we're, when something goes on in our lives, yeah. fear is, there's three reasons why we experience fear and anxiety. One is we should be right. We're in danger. Right. So if, if, you know, a bear walked into this room, right. we should be fearful. <laughs> that would be very healthy. Yeah. <laughs> Get out. You need to be in the flight, flight or freeze in that situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The second is we have to solve a problem. 
I have a quiz tomorrow. I'm anxious about my quiz. Mm. Study. That yeah. would be how you'd solve the problem. Mm. With infertility, okay, you're feeling anxious because you have uh, a test coming up, a right. procedure coming up. This problem that you could possibly solve is, okay, I, I need to take care of myself these next... Like the two-week wait, they call. Yeah. Like when you're waiting to see if you are pregnant, basically. Right. That's so a big one. What, you know, there are certain things that I can do during this process to help me emotionally, physically. So that would be another reason. Anxiety, because you have to solve a problem. Mm -hmm. The third and most common is it's cognitive distortions. It's, it's we're feeling the what ifs. What if I don't uh, get pregnant? What yeah. if oh. I never have children? What if I have a miscarriage? What if things that we can't control... Mm -hmm. And by being anxious about him does not help us. And so, mm -hmm. with I think I only have cognitive distortion. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really good at that one. Yeah, that's you got to go. I, I tend to catastrophize. Yes. Yeah. Say, oh my gosh, the worst thing, worst part's gonna, the yeah. worst thing's gonna happen. Right. Okay. So where's the problem? Like, when does the problem enter in? Like, is it only if we stay in cognitive distortion? Is it if we are fearful and we never stop being fearful? Because I'm feeling like emo feeling. I'm feeling like emotions are healthy in most cases, right? Would that be right to say? I wouldn't say most. I think it's normal and <laughs> That's healthy. That's what we have here, Annie. Yeah. <laughs> it's normal and healthy to feel, mm -hmm. but when it starts to impact our daily lives in such a way that we not we're not functioning, it's not. There's that's never. That's not never. It's not. That's not okay. It's not healthy. Okay. We right. then have to take steps in order to be able to function. Right. Which I, leads me to a question that I feel like people say a lot is they don't know when to start feeling. Like, as in they, you know, are trying yeah. for six months and they're like, oh, it'll happen. It's like, what do they, and then all of a sudden six months turns into a year, turns into two years, turns into this, and then they haven't felt right. along the way. What would be things in your daily life that you should be watching out for that maybe you are experience, experiencing some of those feelings, but you're not even tapping in right. to it? Yeah. Would so be? I would say if it's affecting your getting up in the morning, mm -hmm. if it's affecting your job so you can't think and pay attention and concentrate, um, if you are um, finding yourself getting really frustrated with people all the time, mm. more, more than normal. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, it's when you, you, you notice or other people might help to help you notice that you're, you're different, that you, um, you're more agitated, you are, you're not focused anymore. You are not getting what you normally get done in a day. You're, you know, it's taking you twice as long. Mm. Um, those are indicate, you know, obviously if you're not eating as well as you normally do, or you're losing yeah. or gaining weight, uh, if your sleep is disturbed, those are things that definitely are indications that it's, it's starting to get to where you really might consider getting some help. So let's say someone that's listening to this had three of those things happen to them <laughs> yesterday. What would you say would be the next step? What would be your therapeutic advice if they were sitting in your chair to say, okay, you experienced lack of sleep, you're gaining weight, and you are not doing well in your job or whatever the right. three things are. What would be your advice to them? Well, depending on what their situation is. So uh -huh. to me, community is the most important thing, not just infertility. And we all need community. Yes. We all need people in our lives where we can share our hearts, where we can have some accountability, um, not everybody has that, yes, but it's something that we all need to strive for. So if they don't have that, my answer would be a little different. Okay? What would your answer be? If they didn't have that? Didn't have that, then they which need, is common in this world. Okay, yes. Um, I would say they need to consider seeking professional help. Okay. So 
Now, it doesn't necessarily have to be a, a psychologist. It could be maybe within the church they have lay counseling. They mm -hmm. have mentors. Um, it could be in getting involved in, in a maybe a women's group or a men's group where right. they can be surrounded by people um, and get develop that community. Mm -hmm. um, I think if that behavior continues, so you said, you know, okay, let's say yesterday those things three of these things happened. If two weeks down the road they're still happening, then you need to call a professional. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. If they're happening most days for more than a couple of weeks or so, then you need to consider professional help. Right. And what, um, what, like, so they get professional, what, what are they going to do in that? You know, I, just to destigmatize, I guess, what does that mean? Does it mean, oh, now I'm going to be on medicine or something? Or, or what is or that? I'm a weirdo. Or yeah. You know, is that, are they talking in that situation? Are they, are they just processing what's going on there? So I would say, um, I mean, personally, I think we all should be in therapy. Right. hundred <laughs> percent. At yeah. some time in our lives. You know, yes. I, I mean, I've been in therapy off and on for years and I have a therapist that I see when I need to process something. Same with me. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, um, there, I, I personally, it's like there's no stigma. To me, that is such a beautiful thing to have in your life. Yes. Um, what it would look like, it, that does vary. Yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, therapists are very different. You know, I would say I'm a cognitive behavioral therapist, so my style would be very different than maybe a um, somebody who does more talk therapy. Not that okay. B, uh, CBT is still talk therapy, but it's very focused on your thoughts determine your feelings. So I would be talking a lot about your thought patterns your cognitive distortions. Yeah. Um, and that would be so, not to say that there's, that would be the great for infertility, but I feel like that's all you have sometimes with infertility is right. your mind. Right. Your mind and your thoughts are just going over. And especially if you don't have community to let right. that out, exactly. right. that is, it's just a hamster wheel in your head. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I believe that that is key. If we can really get a grasp of our thoughts and understand our thought patterns and our distorted thinking, because we all have some distortion in our thinking, um, we can develop healthier emotional responses. That's amazing. So it would be a lot of talk yeah. you know, and process it. It would be it, for um, anxiety in particular, you would want to go towards the anxiety. So you'd want to talk about what is your fear? My fear is I'll never have a child. Right. Okay, what does that look like? And just kind of help them understand that that doesn't end your life, that there's life after infertility. There's life after... Um, if you if it ends up that you can't have a child or there's a life after a miscarriage and so to be able to to help people see the reality is as you develop more coping skills and strengths you're going to be okay mm -hmm. you'll be you will get through it right right I think a lot of people have that is like well I can do this but I could never do that right. and it's like there is life yeah. goes on and for me it just looked like really just surrendering and grieving that was my thing with yeah. my therapist was like yeah. you know just I remember having a name, you know, that I've had since I was like 11 years old. Ruby was my name. And she really helped me because when I moved on to adoption, it had to be an infant. And I didn't see that it was like, oh, it had to be an infant because I was like <laughs> solving my infertility through it, even though I said I wasn't. But it was. And with her, it just helped me like she really helped me channel my worst fear. And I think sometimes we don't like to t say our fear out loud because then we can make it more true. Right. And I'm always like, which is very distorted. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I did it. Exactly. But it's like, I mean, wouldn't you say the same thing? Like, totally. Like yep. it makes it more real. And it's like, no, 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 no. It doesn't make it any more real right. or any less real or whatever. What's so, amazing is when we take these thoughts that are distorted yeah. and we put them out here and we put them out on paper, or we put them out just with our words. It's so much easier to look at it and say, hmm, I can see how that's not really rational. Right. Yes. I can see how that that's really not the best way for me to think about this process because 
it's not healthy. It's not real. It's not, it's not an accurate thought. And if you have a whole bunch of inaccurate thoughts, like I can't survive this, for example, right. Right. that is not a way to live. Right. Yeah. And that's very common in the infertility yeah. world. It is. I've yeah. experienced it myself. It yeah. makes me think of yeah. the, maybe the biggest distortion that I would do was I, I always said I, I wanted to be, or I had to be a young dad. And I would do this crazy math, which you'll hear me talk about all the time of, of, you know, figuring out, well, if I have a kid this time and this time, we get pregnant here and we do this. And then at some point, all of the numbers, when I, when I really put it out there and talked to people about it or wrote it down or journaled about it, it became absurd. The difference between 26 and 28 was what I was stressing about. And now that I'm even just a little bit older than that, it just seems, it doesn't seem dumb. I don't want to say that, but it just seems like, oh, I was making, I was taking these numbers mm -hmm. and making them my entire right. life. It, you know, it this became was, so much yes. bigger than it needed to be or really yeah. was. And I think right. that's where, again, that's why I'm really into our thought patterns Right. is that when we put them out here and we process it with a therapist or again, our community, mm -hmm. yeah. it's so much easier when it's out here versus just in our heads where we can start to process it and say, hmm, 28 is really, you know, th giving myself those two years really right. isn't realistic and accurate and healthy. Right, right. And so, if, and then we're more able to then change and reframe our situation so that we can have healthier thinking. And therefore, it's not as depressing. It's not as anxiety provoking. Right. right. So I remember saying in therapy so many times, I remember saying, I can't believe I said that out loud. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. I would say that and be like, I've thought that for years, but I yeah. can't believe I'm actually saying it. But then once I say it, it's like, it doesn't have as much maybe strength, if I would Absolutely. say, or whatever. That's what it's I like, yeah. like strength, like, oh, I said it. Okay, what if I can never have kids? Okay. And like, I, I they just made yeah. it more like, just not so strong, not right. so heavy. Right. Yeah, it's I think things yeah. that are kept in the dark yeah. become boogeymen. Yeah. Boogeyman, totally. men, women, yeah, whatever it's Totally. And I don't and think monsters. because I said it made it more real. Because right. that was our reality. That was going right. to be our reality no matter what. No right. matter I said it or I didn't, or I felt it or I didn't, it was our reality. Absolutely. So I think this is really holds for almost everything in life, right? You know, through the front door comes a lot of emotions, a lot of its reactions, a lot of its maybe distortion, but it's what we do with those feelings once they're in that really determines this continuum. Talk a little bit about, like you said, that continuum that, you know, anxiety is at times okay if you have a test coming up or or even, you know, if, if you normal. have a normal. Yeah, normal, if you have a procedure even coming up to be somewhat anxious mm -hmm. about it, I would say would feel normal. But there's a continuum, right? That uh, on one part of the continuum, those feelings are okay. On the other end, they're not. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people are, are somewhere on there. And is it normal to kind of drift around on that continuum? That's a great question. It's very normal to, to drift around. Okay. Um, I think for, for some people... And I, I would say this was me when I was much younger before, you know, my training and before my therapy. Um, I thought all feelings were pathological. Mm. All, oh my gosh, I'm sad. This is not okay. This is, you know, I'm, and then it would scare me that I'd get anxious because I was sad. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Is that like, okay, I'm feeling depressed today. Therefore I have I'm, depression. Right. Okay. And so. And that's not true. And that's not true. Okay. <laughs> right. Because I would yeah. say I felt anxious, but I did not develop an anxiety disorder. Right. But I felt very anxious. Right. But, and, but some people do. But some people do. Right. Yeah. And I think uh, that's normal. Mm -hmm. um, but I also would say even in the normal emotion, if we can, if we can have our community, whatever that looks like, yeah. and we can talk through that fear, that sadness, 
it will, one, it normalizes it, but two, it doesn't, it helps it so it doesn't go continue down that continuum. And so it's normal, but it doesn't, just because it's normal doesn't mean you don't want to talk about it. Right. That, right. So, so uh, you know, I, I'm talking about, oh, well, we want to have our community so it doesn't go kind of kind of cross the line to a disorder. I want to say from the very beginning, we want to have that community. From the very beginning, we want to process because even though it's normal, it's still good to process it because we're created to right. commune yeah. with each other. Right. Yeah. I, I hear that all the time is once people let out the secret, I'm struggling with infertility, ev almost every single one says how much better they feel and how much people reach out to them. Oh, I felt the same way. Oh, I felt the same way. You know what I mean? Yeah. We've seen that a lot. Absolutely. Like the yeah. load is lifted. Yeah. Because it happens. Emotions feel so uh, subconscious or they feel so reactionary, like the uncontrollable. You know, it's not like I'm like, now I'm going to be overwhelmed or now right. I'm going to be sad. Right. It just happens to you. Mm -hmm. And the releasing of that, the communicating of that, the letting it out feels like the most natural thing to do. But because of a whole variety of reasons, it feels like we hold that in. Mm -hmm. I would love to know, I think it would be even great for all of us to, for me, my my initial reaction was I felt overwhelmed because I felt fearful. And it wasn't until I verbalized that fear to friends and family that I could even, even get past that, right? Like, I think I was locked up in fear and my fear made me want to do all crazy things. You know, it really made me want to run away and not, not continue on with my normal life. But once I started to process my fear and people were able to ask me, what is it that you're afraid of? Well, I don't want to be a dad when I'm 34. And, and then verbalizing that, that felt like, well, that wouldn't be that bad to right. be, you know, like that would right. be the end of the world. It started to help me realize, like, I think I'm just really disappointed, you know, and it, mm -hmm. and my fear turned to disappointment. Um, what do you think? What was your first one, Jesse? Like, what was what, that? What was that emotion that let way into all the other emotions? One thing I want to add to what you said, yeah. which we've talked about before, is I think also that way of thinking and that fear made us make a lot of bad decisions, right. especially when it comes to adoption. Not not who we adopted, right. that was great, but our two failed adoptions, I think yeah. we, ha we also made a lot of mistakes in that. And I think that was led by, I have to have an infant and you had to be a young dad. So yeah. let's figure this out, throw money to whatever we need to throw it to and right. to solve our problem. Right. And I feel like it was after our second adoption, yeah. we both were like, oh, we tried to solve this with our, we tried to solve our infertility with this, right. you know what I mean? And so I think that's also something that's interesting to talk about is just that fear can sometimes especially if you don't let it out, can make you yeah. lead to not good decisions. Yeah, feelings lead to very real world issues. Yeah. 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 My feelings of fear led to tons of bad decisions and it because I didn't wasn't processing that fear. So we covered a lot of infertility, a lot of feelings, a lot of things come up. Doug, what would be your biggest takeaway from this episode? I think my biggest takeaway in terms of infertility causing lots of feelings is that that's not necessarily bad. And that even though we feel lots of things, it's kind of what we do with those feelings. It's the, it's the you know, I feel maybe I'm prone to feeling anxious about something and uh, something, you know, something comes up in my infertility journey that I go, oh my gosh, this is so anxiety provoking. What do I do? Do I take that and just sit on it and think about all of these what ifs 
or do I communicate those to a community and you know let them out? Because the feelings are natural, right? Right? Yes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank goodness. Uh, the feelings are natural, but it's what I do with them that is like my responsibility. And, and I think that that's empowering to me that I, I can take control of my feelings. That's That would be my takeaway. Ooh, take control of your feelings. That's good. <laughs> that's a book title. I like it. Um, uh, my biggest takeaway was to hear the anxiety thing broken down. Okay. I think that was really helpful of like, right. Like if a bear came in here, this is what you should feel like all those yeah. three things. And that infertility is so that number third thing of like, what was it? What would you, what did you say? The cognitive distortion. The cognitive okay. distortion. Exactly. Um, so I think that was my biggest takeaway. That was a really good nugget and that you can lean in to your feelings and still be scared. You know, it doesn't have to yeah. be that you Absolutely. have to arrive without fear or without anything. You can be scared, but still just keep walking. That's what courageous. Hey, there's another book title. We just learned how to be courageous. <laughs> and, you know, I will add to it about the cognitive distortions. That applies to all of our feelings. It's not just anxiety. I mean, it's kind of mm. clear. And I'm an anxiety specialist, so that's where I go. But yeah. that is applies to, you know, depressive thoughts and angry thoughts. And mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. Thank Wonderful. you so Dr. much. Dr. Andrew and all, thank you for being You're here welcome. for our kickoff episode. You yeah. guys are yes. so great. You're the best. Thank you. Thank you. And we will be back next Monday. Monday. That's right. Excited. For our second episode. So thank good. you guys so much for joining us. It's so fun to be here. Yes. Thank you. See you next week. Yeah.